Hello, Barry. We normally have to do an energy warm-up exercise before every single episode just to get us in the right, I don't know, frame of mind to get our bodies pumping. But I've just got so much adrenaline running through my blood. We've just, <laughs> right now, as we hit record, we've hardly even spoken offline. We've just finished watching the Apple event, and this is a special edition debrief episode. Are you excited to cover it all? I'm so excited, Chad. There's so many thoughts running through my head. I'm excited to chat about all these new products and new services. So I think before we get carried away with an intro, Chad, let's get straight into the depth of the Apple event. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Across the Pond. Like I said, man, oh man, what a whirlwind of an hour we just watched. And I want to say thank you, Barry, to just giving me the notification that it was coming. I think we all saw that email hit our inboxes uh, a week or two weeks ago with this date, the special events, and we've seen all of the various uh, theories, you know, the leaks, all of that kind of stuff uh, on, up on the web. But finally, this event was here, and now we get to discuss it. It's amazing the gravitas around these Apple events, right? They've built themselves this amazing kind of cult-like following. Yep. Like us, we're sitting there <laughs> look, really looking forward to seeing what they're going to bring up. And they do it in a way that only Apple can do it. I mean, that camera quality chat, yep. those drone shots, we're going to talk about all of that. But they really do it unlike any other company. And so every event really is that. It's an event that you have to kind of immerse yourself yep. in in order to get the full experience. Well, that's exactly it. And I suppose, you know, normally it's a physical event. There's people sitting in an actual hallway. Obviously, there's pieces that are recorded and they play that on the screen and play that for people tuning in via live stream. But of course, this case was a bit different because, you know, we're in the pandemic and basically they chose to do the whole thing electronic. How did you feel about that? How did that come across for you? For me, it was really cool, Chad. I think they were they were really showing off their video skills, yeah. showing off how they can transi transition between various rooms in that giant fortress of theirs. Yes. And it really came across like it was like from a space shuttle almost, the Apple space shuttle out there <laughs> in San Francisco doing their thing in that giant round building with all the, the park in the middle. It really was a cool use of that kind of technology. And they didn't try and make it seem like it was a typical live stream event. Yep. I think one of the notes you had on the, on the notes is that it kind of felt just like a proper video presentation yep. and really, really well done. Very high production quality in the way that only Apple can do. And for me, it really hit the mark because we all know it's not live. So let's yep. not pretend that it is. <laughs> and let's take advantage of all the things yep. you can do if you have the time to put together this amazing piece of media. 100%. And you're completely right. That came through. Uh, the seamless transitions in script even from one person to the next, you kind of get shown <laughs> around the building of, I guess, all of the execs in the various fields in Apple. And, and that was kind of cool. But at the same point in time, Barry, why was this a live stream? Why did it have to be a live stream? I guess it, it talks that wider point of Apple's messaging. And uh, I suppose this is how they unveil new products and events uh, historically. So why follow a different approach now, I guess? Exactly. It's Apple tradition, right? The whole idea is you go and sit and you watch this thing live and you see the new products come straight off the press. Yep. Obviously, all the leaks beforehand give you a sense of what's coming, but it's really nice to see them happen in, in real time. Yep. And I think it's also good for social media. I know Twitter was going berserk, all the tech guys retweeting and live tweeting about all their thoughts. And I think you're going to see lots of these kind of debriefs going forward, ours being one of them. And talking about what does this mean for the future of tech? Because Apple have been the leaders for so long and they continue to lead in so many different ways. And so just having it live makes it a moment for the whole tech world to kind of reflect on itself and look at what is Apple pushing the boundaries on 
And what is the future of these products actually going to look like? Completely, completely agree. And uh, you're right. It was such a slick presentation and really exciting to watch. But at the same time, so my rational brain is telling me this, but at the same time, in the back of my mind, I feel like I'm in an episode of Black Mirror. You've got one corporation saying, <laughs> and this is the next thing, and this is the next thing, and this is the next thing. And there's so many of these things for us to discuss in this short half an hour special. But did you not get that feel like it was a bit, a bit culty? Of course, of course. But that's the whole beauty of Apple, right? We're part of that culture. Whether we like to, like, whether we like it or not, we are part of that cult. And they really know how to storytell. That's the most amazing thing about Apple. They know how to storytell. And like you say, it feels so slick that it can feel like sci-fi. Yeah. It can feel a little bit dystopian in some ways, especially kind of the, the white kind of backgrounds and all that good stuff it can feel a little bit like therapeutic in a way, yeah. which is a very strange experience. But that's what they do so well. And that's why they have the brand that they do is because they create that cult-like following. And once you're, once you're a customer of Apple and you've got all their products, it's like very hard to get out like normal cults. Absolutely. <laughs> you're completely right. Um, so let's then cover it in chronological order, shall we? So we started off with, uh, you know, Tim Cook giving the, the briefing, I suppose, setting the stage. And also, as any good story would conclude, it finished with him as well. But nevertheless, we move on to a couple of stories about how the watch has changed people's lives. Now, what were your, some of your thoughts on that? I think this is so important for any new tech. I think a lot of tech companies sometimes get into the trap of talking about CPUs and speeds yep. and all these type of technical things, which only caters to a very small portion of the market. So we find it interesting because we love the stuff, Chad. But if you're an average person on the street who doesn't really have an interest in this stuff, you want to know how are these products actually going to help you in your day-to-day -day life? What difference is it going to make in the way that you live every single day? And so those stories do an amazing job of showing you use cases of what can be done with this technology. Yep. For this one, I found the use cases a little bit specific and very niche, right? Obviously, they're testing new technology, and yep. so some of it might not be as relatable as you'd like, but it just shows the wide breadth of variety that the Apple Watch can do for people. And I found it very inspiring. An Apple Watch owner myself, yep. so biased, of course, but I found it inspiring because that is kind of the, the use case of these things that is not a watch anymore. Yep. It's this computer on your wrist that does a thousand other things and the time is like not even important anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when we talk about the use cases like it saving someone's life when detecting a heart rate that was irregular. I think that kind of definitely does set this up as, well, we're going to unveil something and it's not a toy. It's an actual health device uh, that can improve the quality of your life. And I think that did set the stage pretty well here in my mind. So then let's move on to it. After all of the stories they unveiled, the brand new Apple Watch Series 6. Barry, your thoughts? Yeah, so the Series 6 looks really interesting, Chad. I think what the most interesting thing for me is adding the new sensor, right, for yep. blood oxygen levels. Yep. That's a really, really cool new feature. And I think it's kind of indicative of the kind of sensors that are going to slowly start going into these wearable devices. We were chatting about Neuralink last episode. Yes. And this is an example of more and more, more sensors going onto these wearable devices to give you lots and lots of more data on your health. And so I think what it looks like is that the watch is really pivoting to be a real-time health um, like extravaganza, where it's going to measure absolutely everything all the time and give you that real-time update as to what you're doing. As someone who's got a Series 3, the Series 6 looks like, I'm going to have to consider this, Chad. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's, it's different enough and it's advanced enough yep. to start thinking about, is it time to upgrade or not? Ooh, nice. um, and so I think for anyone wearing a Series 3 right now, they're going to have some real discussions right now. Um, but compared to the Series 5, I think the only major change for me was that new sensor and then some fast chips as they always do. What do you think, Chad? Absolutely. So that sensor looks pretty cool and it's one that, um, you know, I don't have on my Garmin. So certainly, like you say, it's, it's, it's a new sensor, right? It's a new uh, feature, a new addition that's actually going to add extra, an extra level of data to my life. But there's so much more than that. 
we start talking about the the potential implications with COVID and detecting uh, respiratory rates and all of that kind of stuff. Really mm. apt for the kind of environment and climate that we're in at the moment. Add onto that a, a new hand washing detection feature. Um, it does sound <laughs> a little gimmicky, but it's all of these kinds of things that I guess just give you those little reminders um, to, I guess, keep your health up. Yeah, it's one of those things. The watch is supposed to kind of become so intertwined with your day-to-day life that those notifications become like little reminders for your brain. And so while they seem gimmicky, when they, when they all work together, and if it works like seamlessly, it can seem like magic because all of a sudden you, you're washing your hands and you're like, oh, wait, the watch is telling me to keep going for a few <laughs> seconds longer. And in a COVID world, obviously that's a big talking point and that's all we've been chatting about for the last yeah. few months. And so it's a, it's a big deal. But it's kind of indicative of there are thousands of these little features when it comes to the heart rate, when it comes to the oxygen levels, when it comes to the hand watching, when it comes to the falls. All of these things yeah. are just ways the technology is kind of melting into your skin and becoming this external device that really helps you figure out is your body actually working like it should? And if it isn't, can you take proactive action instead of something happening to you and then having to figure it out later? And hopefully that will help with health outcomes, right? Because if you can be proactive, you can take a lot more steps before something bad happens. And if those, if these watch can do that for you once or twice in your lifetime, it pays their investment back tenfold. Completely agree. Completely agree. Like you say, it's the aggregation of all of these things. And there are so many of these little things that they've added. So obviously they've fixed a couple of the issues that people had with it including sleep tracking. I know we chatted about this on the podcast before. I'm sure you're very excited for that. But I think that's just an update to the operating system. So good to have that. Uh, They've obviously updated some of the bands and buckles. There is this new buckle called the Solo Loop. And how dramatic was its (laughs) unveiling? It's crazy, Chad. It's literally just a piece of material. And they've got the Solo (laughs) Loop. It's absolutely incredible. Apple and their naming again. Um, And Chad, I don't get it, to be honest. I thought the whole idea of having an adjustable watch was that you could, like, different wrists could fit. Yeah. Because this feels like now you're going to have to go and get it fitted in a shop and then figure out what size you want. Is that the right interpretation? I think so. It, it seems like it's a material that is flexible. And I, I guess in that way, it's malleable enough for you to, you know, throw it in and out your arm. But it is, there's still so much that is left uh, to interpretation here. And, you know, we never really know until these things are actually out and on our wrists. We might be loving this solo loop. You never know. Um, but on top of that, they've given, you know, seven colors of this loop. There's a braided loop as well. A whole lot of products. And <laughs> Apple are just throwing everything but the kitchen sink at this. Definitely. I think the idea is that you're going to be able to match your watch to your outfit, yep. which is what everyone wants, Chad. Everyone wants that ability to kind of switch between faces, yep. switch between bands. I know there are lots of new faces with lots of new colors and that sort of thing. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. They still haven't opened up the faces to a developer market, yep. which I think is crazy. Agreed. Why wouldn't they let developers create an app store for watch faces? That seems like a so. no-brainer to me. And I still yep. don't understand why that's happening. They still kind of force you to their 20 or 30 different variations, which is still a lot. Yep. But I'd love to see some other developers get a chance to try and make some cool designs. So that's a disappointment for me. Um, and like I said, the bands, I've never had a problem with this <laughs> band. So I don't, I don't understand what the new thing is going to look like. Yep. But we'll have to wait and see, like you say. Yeah, it just does feel crazy where a company that's been limited, I suppose, to four or five options now have, um, you know, I don't know, a load more. And it's going to be a little bit more tricky, I guess, uh, just to manage the supply chains and all of those different variations of the same thing. But obviously, they've got the scale now. so They can do that kind of thing. One thing that I did not hear of and one thing that I really want to hear of is the battery life on this thing. Uh, Did I just miss something or was it not mentioned? They didn't mention it, as far as I understand, and that's not a good sign. Yep. Normally, when they don't mention things, they, they don't want to brag about it because they bragged about everything else. Yep. Um, so I don't know what the battery life is going to be like, especially with sleep tracking. That's going to be the big thing, right? Because if you're going to be wearing it while you sleep as well, 
that's going to have a huge impact on what the battery life is going to be. So at the moment, I'm able to just charge it every single night and everything is fine. But when I want to start wearing it for sleep, it's going to be a different story. So I'm a little bit worried about that, like, like you, Chad. Uh, we'll have to wait and see when they come up with more details as time goes on. And hopefully you get a maximum day uh, charge. Yep, 100%. Well, then let's swiftly move on then, Barry, to one of the other new features that they've added. And they announced this as part of the, the watch offering, which is family setup. And straight away, I wondered why we have not had this before. A lot of the time, any, if you know anyone who has young kids, these days, the kids are getting devices earlier and earlier and earlier. It's the phones, it's the iPads, it's the this and it's that. And obviously, privacy and obviously uh, the dangers of the web are a big, big challenge with that. Lots of dark things lurking out there in the depths of the web. And Apple come up with the solution, Apple Family, where you can essentially uh, get a watch for your little one and uh, ultimately let them access certain features on it, be able to communicate with you and communicate with others. And you can actually set up which phone numbers that you are happy with them being able to dial. Uh, there's a new like school mode. There's all of this kinds of stuff. But in terms of just the solution, Barry, this seems like a very, very practical solution for me in this world where we need to be more connected, but at the same time need to balance all of these extra concerns. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm, I'm surprised they haven't done it sooner, like you say. Um, I think it's been a very common gripe for people online saying that they want to be able to use the Apple Watch, but without having to buy an iPhone, yeah. right? When I'm paired with an iPhone. And so being able to kind of detether those things and make them separate, which is really good. And then, like you say, for the kids and for, even for your older parents who are yep. like, you're worried about them falling, you're worried about them getting like heart attacks, that sort of thing. Both of those use cases make a lot of sense to me. Definitely. And so by constraining the features and making sure you can only do, like you say, what you want the kid to do or what you want your elderly parent to be able to do, that makes all the sense in the world. Yep. And it gives them this amazing technology that takes advantage of all these health things without having to tie them into an iPhone and all the complexities that come with that. So I think it's great. And I think that for anyone who's looking for something for the kids or for their elderly parents, this makes all the sense in the world. I agree. And I hope that it will result in us not seeing four-year-olds with phones in their hands that are theirs, um, because <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Let's be honest. Let's then move on to the Apple Watch SE, Barry, which I'm sure makes you feel a little bit salty. Maybe, maybe not. Essentially, it's a low-cost watch. <laughs> That gives you two times faster speeds than the one that you have, the Series 3, uh, which I had as well. It's got the same motion sensors as this brand new Series 6, and it's compatible with that family feature that we just spoke about now. But this definitely feels like a nice offering uh, to, I suppose, introduce some more users into the Apple Watch family. Especially in markets like South Africa, right, yeah. where the costs of these devices are astronomical. Yeah. And so an Apple Watch SE makes a lot of sense. And I think, it's like you said, it's going to bring people into this ecosystem and once they experience some of the benefits, some of the fitness tracking, some of that stuff, then they potentially are customers long-term. Yep. And I think it's a strategy Apple have done for the last couple of years, like bring out a lot of these SE type devices, trying to bring more iPhones and more iPads into the hands of people at more reasonable costs. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what this is like. Like you say, it's a little bit salty because like, I like my watch and uh, <laughs> to have something that's twice as fast or much cheaper, but that's how tech, that's how tech goes, that's right? True. Things advance every single year. And uh, that obsolescence really is speeding up as we go along. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like, Chad, when it finally comes out. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I don't know if you're going to go for the Series 6 or the SE. We'll have to wait and see. I think <laughs> one thing that we need to chat about, Barry, just briefly, is the release date. So they give you this unveiling and it's, it happens today. The thing is going to be available in stores on Friday. How are they able to have all of these embargoes, I guess, and have these products moving throughout the world and the leaks are just fairly scarce. If you look on the big picture of it, Barry, there are one or two little leaks. Some of them are hit or miss. 
but they're pretty scarce given that these units must be floating around the planet already. Yeah, it's amazing. In a year like 2020, when you'd expect everything to be delayed, they come out and announce it's happening on Friday. And that's crazy <laughs> to me, like you say. So I don't get it. They obviously have been planning this for months, I'm assuming. And so they've already got all the stuff ready, especially in the US and some of the bigger markets where people are going to go crazy on Friday. Yep. But we'll have to wait and see if, if, if the supply chain holds up. Like you wonder how much stock they're going to have for that first weekend and uh, how quickly it's going to sell out. And then you might have to wait after that. So if you're going to go and get it on Friday, please let us know what happens because I'm dying to know how, that, how that's going to go yeah. and how much stock they actually have on hand to service, I'm assuming, a very big demand. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess it's the social distancing and the queues. It's all a very, very new world. Um, and I, I, I wonder if that Friday deadline is for online shippings or for in-store collections, uh, which is certainly interesting. Then, Barry, the sustainability message. Now, Apple just seems to have it right to hit all the points of topic at the current period of time. They talk about the Apple Watch and a promise, essentially, to by 2030 be 100% neutral in the full end-to-end -end operational chain. Your thoughts? I think it's great. I think it's very important for big companies like Apple to make these sort of statements. As with all of these things, you want to see action behind these big corporations, right? And so they, they all talk the same language. They all say the same things. But it's actual action that really makes a difference. And they hopefully are going to be some of the lead dominoes that push us towards a more sustainable future. Unfortunately, the, the, the proof of the matter is that a lot of the, the pollution and the climate change is coming from countries that aren't making these sort of statements, yep. right? So from China, from India, from those sort of places with massive developing economies, that's where a lot of the problems are. So while I applaud them for it, and it's absolutely amazing, hopefully they inspire the rest of the countries in the world to make the same sort of promises and actually act on them at the same time. Yep. What do you think about the controversial decision, Chad, to not include a charger in the cases? <laughs> that, to uh, me, is going to cause some drama online and people uh, buying in stores. So what do you think about that decision? I actually laughed out loud when that happened because it's such an, it's such an interesting one. They're justifying doing it by the sustainable savings. So they basically say that not including adapters, they project will eliminate about 50,000 cars worth of carbon footprint. But at the same time, you can't deny that they're actually just making these units a little bit more expensive by including less. And you ultimately <laughs> have to go out and buy some, some new one, especially when you look at the Apple Watch SE, which is supposed to introduce new people to this ecosystem who I'm guessing won't have charges. Just another accessory to buy, right? We all know that, that the story of going to the Apple store, yep. getting your device, and then having to buy 18 dongles, <laughs> 32 accessories to make the whole experience worth it. So yep. I also had a chuckle. I think it's going to cause some drama and people are not going to be happy about it. Yep. Um, but if it, if it produces the same, I mean, they were saying this going to take 50,000 cars off the road in, in equivalency. Yep. So that's, that's a good thing, I think. Is it worth not having the charger? I don't know. It's so interesting. All right, then let's move on swiftly to the next unveiling, which I thought was pretty significant, Barry. In this world where we've all been locked down in our homes, we've all looked at all these various fitness apps. We've spoken about three or four, if that, on our podcast alone. But this is Apple's new one, Apple Fitness Plus. And my, oh my, does it look slick. <laughs> it definitely does, Chad. It's kind of competing with the, like the Peloton experience yep. of that super extensive bike and the the mirrors on the wall that give you this interactive experience, and now they're going to bring it straight to the watch. So they've partnered with a bunch of cool fitness trainers, and they're just going to bring you those those hit workouts I've been doing on YouTube, yep. Chad, but directly to my watch, interactive with the guys, like picking your own music from Apple Music. Yep. It really looked slick. That's, a, that's the right word for it. It was a great interpretation of how do they serve their customers better, and how do they really make this watch this like amazing fitness experience. Um, and so I'm super excited to, to see what it's all about. It's very expensive, in my yep. opinion for what they're doing, right? So I'm not sure about the price point. I wonder if they could have made it free, Chad, because I, I wonder if, if by making it free, they could have maybe brought all the content into the Apple Watch ecosystem 
and kind of boost the sales of Apple Watch instead of trying to go a services model. Yep. Um, but I do think that Apple are going more and more services every single year. So I don't quite know. It's an interesting interpretation because I would have at least expected them to give it free for a year, but they've given it free for three months after buying the new watch. After all of the new devices recently, you've been getting a year's worth of Apple TV Plus. So I thought they were going to do the same thing. But I think they're going to have high demand for this product, Barry. As I said, it looked slick. You say it's expensive. It's $9.99 a month. But if you look at some of the competitors out there, it, it's ridiculous. You look at Chris Hemsworth app, the one that we spoke about last time, and I spent about £23 a month on that. So I think it is competitive, especially because it integrates so well with the watch, with the TV, with the iPad, with the iPhone. You can take it anywhere you want. Um, and I certainly, certainly think it is a good offering. Like you say, especially when you can pick your genre of music, a lot of the time when you're working out, that's a ne another thing you have to stress about. Well, what am I going to listen to? you got Spotify up on one device, you got your, your actual fitness coming through another, and it just, I guess, makes that whole process a lot more seamless. That plus the fact that I guess all these workouts are going to be fresh new workouts. So they, they basically have a studio with all of these fitness professionals recording fresh content every single week. And I understand how this could be delivered at $9.99 a month. No, it makes a lot of sense. I think, I think it's because I'm coming from a South Africa perspective. Yep. When I look at $10, it really seems true, expensive. True. Uh, but what you say makes sense. Like comparing it to some of those other apps and especially like the Peloton type features, like you say, the live streaming from a studio where you can tune in on a Tuesday at 6 a.m. and do your spin class or whatever it is, that really is competing with the higher end of the market. Yep. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what it, what it looks like because this is the future of Apple, right? If you think about where Apple is going, now obviously the devices are always going to be the, the bread and butter, but their service business is really growing at a credible Definitely. rate. And this is the very first of many of these types of services where they try and serve their customers a little bit better and take advantage of this very close-knit ecosystem. And they can do these sorts of integrations because they own everything. They own the hardware, the software, the operating system, everything yep. works together. And so if you can give a workout experience that is very, very slick, that is easy, that is like really fits the person who's working out, like you say, you could pull them away from all of those other apps and kind of keep them in your own ecosystem. Yeah, just to confirm quickly, it doesn't sound like you have to have Apple Music for that feature. It looks, based on what we've seen, like you can just pick a genre and if you have Apple Music, you can then link those playlists to listen to in your own time, which is interesting. The interesting thing that I found is that you can actually do strength workouts as well, which I find to be quite rare. A lot of Garmin devices don't even cater to that kind of thing. So to be able to actually still go into the gym and you know do a class with strength workout tailored uh, workout for me is quite cool. Yeah, that's very exciting. I think that for a long time, you've had to take in your phone with you or you take it like a piece of paper and you yeah. kind of track your thing through there. But if you're able to do it at the weight rack and kind of track it that way, that makes it even better because it's been really, really good for things like running and, and cycling and that sort of thing where it's long repetitive movements. But for the hit workouts, for the strength stuff, there hasn't really been a great kind of yeah. functionality. All you're doing is tracking heart rate. True. But if you're able to track sets and exercises yep. and like give yourself variety in those places, just by carrying your watch around and not your phone or a piece of paper or whatever, yep. That's amazing. And when you pair it with AirPods, it's going to be an amazing experience. Oh, now you are talking my language. Well, let's then move <laughs> on, Barry, to I guess the, the wider net of this. And we actually spoke about the rumors of this in our podcast a few weeks ago. Apple won. All of those rumors were true. They have now got these yep. bundled offerings, uh, basically a combination of all of these service businesses that we, we've just spoken about. So just for those listening, it's Apple Music, Apple TV+, Plus, Apple Arcade, Apple News+, Plus, Apple Fitness+. Plus. Apple everything, right? <laughs> Chad, you know we were talking about the cult earlier? This is your cost <laughs> to join the cult, right? You pay your cult membership, which is your yep. Apple One subscription, and you get access to all of the content, <laughs> all the services in your Apple lifestyle. 
So again, for super fans, this is going to be an amazing kind of opportunity to take advantage of some of this bundling. Um, and I think anyone looking from the outside are looking, oh boy, oh boy, these fanboys are yeah. getting ahead of themselves. Absolutely, agreed. And I mean, when you talk about the family offerings, I suppose, it, it does become a bit more palatable. I mean, even on that fitness app uh, subscription, that nine ninety nine that we were talking about, Barry, with that subscription, anyone in your family can use the app as well, uh, which actually, you know, becomes pretty, pretty palatable, don't you think? Definitely. Like that, that kind of bulk option to really get your kids involved in the same ecosystem yep. at the same time without having to pay for extra services makes all the sense in the world. And so I think for anyone who's, a, who's really used Apple a lot and really is going to get some value out of these subscriptions, it's a, great, it's a right way to go. I think they're going to give you a free trial to test some of these things if you've never used them before. Yep. So you can definitely test them out and see what it looks like. And I think for the value they're providing, if you're using, say, two or three of yep. the services out yep. of the five or six, I think it's worth it. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, if you're just using one, stay away from it. Do the service in isolation. Otherwise, the bundle does make sense. They even have a premium offering with two terabytes of iCloud data crazy barry we have about five minutes left to cover the rest of this event uh, which essentially is the unveiling of the rest of the lineup of ipads now i was feeling salty as soon as they mentioned it because i have next to me my ipad pro 2020 with my magic keyboard uh, which was only released really a couple of months ago at the heat of lockdown and of course with any of these kinds of things you don't want your new gadget to become obsolete and I think they have, you know, erred on the side of caution in that note. But these iPads do look pretty cool. They look seriously powerful, Chad. I was actually thinking of you when I was watching <laughs> it because a lot of these things are, are more powerful than most laptops these days, right? And so they brought the, all the updates they brought to the iPad Pro lineup, which were amazing, to their normal iPads and to their iPad Airs. And so a lot of the same processing, a lot of the graphics, the Apple Pencil integrations, the smart keyboards, all of these things that made the iPad Pro such an incredible device have now been coming down to the... The, the more pleb of the devices <laughs> in the iPad range. Yeah. Um, and so that's really exciting to see. I think iPad has been an amazing product for Apple. It really is the world leader in tablets by like a country mile. They're way better than anything else on the market. And being able to bring these kind of trickling down effects to their, their lower priced items is just going to make these iPads even better. Yep. And so, yeah, I felt for you, Chad, because it looks like these things are catching up quick. They're catching up quick. But like I said, I think they have kept people like me in mind because the new ones don't have a LiDAR sensor. And I think there's a couple of other little things, bits and bobs, which obviously will go digging through the spec sheets after the fact. This is just a quick debrief. Um, but of course, <laughs> there's a new iPad and a new iPad Air. So that there's the iPad 8th generation, which they've rolled out their A12 Bionic uh, processor. We're not going to go into too much detail. It looks pretty cool, but again, your, I guess, entry-level device, uh, which will hopefully, I suppose, get the iPad in more people's hands, and that also available this week, Friday, which again is just a crazy feat. But then the one that I want to actually <laughs> talk about and sit a little bit more on, Barry, is the, the new iPad Air, which has essentially taken the same form factor as the iPad Pro that I have and love, um, but they've obviously added all of these extra colors. Um, I was telling my fiance as soon as it was announced, there's a rose gold option, which I'm sure ladies are going to love. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that a lot of these things are starting to become fashion statements. Yep. They always have been. But Apple have slowly been releasing more and more colors, allowing people to find something more suited to their personality. Yep. Especially iPad Air, which is perfect for like students and scholars and those sorts of things of kind of lighter uses. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to give lots and lots of colors and lots of opportunities to stand out when you're sitting in your lecture hall, exactly. taking your notes on your iPad, you're doing your thing. It makes it makes a lot of sense. Definitely, definitely does. But at the same time, uh, like I said, it just increases the, the supply chain on all of these potential options. They're taking a risk here in, in terms of having overstocked levels. 
Yeah, it's one of those things they've really they've really gone away from the Steve Jobs ideal of yeah. having very few products and doing them all amazingly well, right? One of the criticisms we've seen of Apple in the past is that they now their product range is huge, <laughs> yeah. right? The number of different generations, different series, yeah, different things. It's, it's a whole lot to keep track of. And like you said, supply chain. But also from a customer perspective, yeah. when I'm going to a shop and trying to figure out what do I buy, <laughs> it can be overwhelming because there's 18 different iPads I can choose from, all with slightly different specs and slightly different processing mm -hmm. power. And so I think one of the things that Apple needs to be careful of is obviously they want to bring out new stuff all the time because that's the whole point of a tech company is keep pushing the boundaries. But at the same time, to have so this many products with such nuanced tweaks to them makes it very difficult for someone who's not a tech head to kind of understand what's going on. Yep. And so a lot of the storytelling needs to really be there to understand what kind of iPad is best for what you want to be able to do. And it often comes down to that. The geniuses in the iStores trying to help yep. customers online, what kind of stories can they tell? And to the tech journalists to kind of try and do this for us and trying to figure out, cool, is this right for you? Is this right for you? Yeah, completely agreed. But on the other side of that, I guess it's part of the experience. What they are giving you is the ability to walk into an Apple store and feel like you're shopping for alternative devices. But you're not, Barry. You're buying an <laughs> Apple device. Just like if you walk into a laptop store and look at various brands of, uh, of Windows machines. You've got the Sonys, you've got the Lenovo's, the Dell's, etc. They're kind of almost giving you that feeling. But it's a fallacy, isn't it? Very true, Chad. It's a great way to put it. So it's that, that thing of, here's our menu. You can choose <laughs> anything you want from the menu. But the money's still coming to us, no matter what. And so your hard-earned cash is still coming our way. Um, and that's what Apple do so well, right? They can sell you a device for every single part of your life. Like, it's very conceivable that you have your Apple TV, you've got your iPhone, you've got your iPad, you've got the Apple Watch, you've got everything that they have with all their subscription services yeah. and all that good stuff. And before you know it, you're part of the cult like we are, and uh, that's just how they roll. <laughs> and enjoying every single minute of life, right? Because your life is better with the devices <laughs> in them. Um, never mind, let's uh, keep chatting about this iPad. So I guess some of the other interesting bits is that they've rolled out USB-C to the Air, which the iPad Pro only historically has had. They've also rolled out support of the Apple Pencil 2, which for me in my review video of the iPad Pro was actually a reason to get it because the second generation Apple Pencil 2 is really, really good. Uh, they've also added Wi-Fi 6, the same thing as the iPad Pro, etc., etc., etc. But they've done something new, Barry, new in the way that they've added a Touch ID sensor on the power on button. Yeah, it's something we haven't seen in a while, right? It kind of felt like Apple were moving away from Touch ID and towards Face ID. So it really was an interesting choice to kind of bring that yeah. back on this device. I think it makes sense in certain use cases and whatnot. And obviously there's a lot of drama around facial recognition at the moment. Sure. And so maybe this is just a safer option to go the fingerprint route. But I, I kind of assumed Apple have given up on finger, fingerprints, right? I thought that Face ID was the future. So I, f I found it interesting to, to see this. What did you think? Yeah, I also thought it really interesting. But at the same time, I like a bit of both. So I've gotten used to the Face ID, but often, you know, your face is not in the right angle and it, it just becomes a bit of a mission. Um, whereas, Or you're wearing a mask, right? Exactly. Or you're wearing, or you're wearing a, mask. a mask. 100%. In, in the current environment, very, very often I have to, um, I suppose, authenticate my uh, Apple Pay using my pin. And that's not ideal. There's people around you, people can see your pin, etc, etc. So I do think there's a use case here. I don't think it's the end of Face ID, um, but I certainly think it's an interesting addition to get some biometric uh, authentication uh, in a cheaper form fact. Now, the last thing I want to touch on, Barry, is this processor, which they talk about nanometers. Now, I am not a tech developer. I am not a scientist. I don't know all of this <laughs> stuff, but he starts talking about atoms. 
and I start getting really excited. Did you find the same thing? <laughs> uh, they are so good at storytelling about these devices. They know exactly how to like pique your interest and really kind of turn it on its head. So like you say, like the, the size and the power and the kind of the, the ability of these, these processors are just incredible. And if you think about what computers looked like 10 years ago compared to what you can have on a watch today or in your hand today, it's just absolutely bonkers. And, and like you said, the smaller it gets, the more kind of scientific it feels yep. when they're talking about <laughs> atoms and particles and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, we, we don't know any of the, any of the wiser. They could yep. be talking absolute rubbish. We yep. don't know. Um, all we do is we trust them to bring out the best and best and best of, of class in every single device. And I think they do that year after year. They, there's a reason they are one of the most valuable companies in the history of the world, and that's because they are able to do this on a regular basis, consistently for years and years and years. Yep. And so I think they continue to push the boundaries of what's possible. And for me, I'm just excited to see what the future of this technology looks like, what these processes are going to be able to do when it comes to machine learning, when it comes yep. to AI, all these, this highly processed stuff that needs to happen. Yep. If you can do it on your phone or on your device, it's going to create a whole new world. And that's what makes me excited for all the various use cases that will follow. Often it's one of these things where Apple announces the new stuff yeah. and then all the developers in the next kind of month or two will then start to talk about what can they now do with this new capability. Yeah. And that's what I'm excited for. And they kind of preempted that a little bit by actually releasing some of the conversations that they've had with some developers. And I've got a note here that I will not repeat on the podcast at all because it is not PG. <laughs> but when I saw the feature of zooming in and enhancing, now you know me, I love photography, I love kind of image and media. And when I saw this feature, I was blown away. It's absolutely amazing. And for a long time, we've kind of watched those CSI, those CSI <laughs> shows where they would do that for crime scenes. And everyone would be like, oh, it's just, it's just fiction. Yeah. It's just Hollywood. Yeah. They, they know what they're doing. And now it's not fiction anymore. <laughs> According to that, that presentation, you should yeah. be able to zoom into a photo, enhance, enhance, and it looks crystal clear. Yeah. And so I think the future, of the future of photography looks very exciting. And so these sorts of things, again, are going to look the kind of use cases you can get away with when your processor is like more powerful than the space shuttle. Completely agree. Barry, we've run out of time. That was a quick jam-packed debrief on this Apple event. Everyone who's listening, if you've got an Apple device, iOS 14 is releasing tomorrow along with iPad OS 14, Watch OS 7, and uh, I guess the Apple TV updates as well. Barry, any final remarks? Not really, Chad. I think we've got through as much as we can in the short period of time. Of course, across the pond, we love tech. Uh, if, you're, if you're listening to us for the first time, this is not our usual episode. We normally tech is one piece of episode, yeah. but we're so excited about Apple, we had to come on and give some of our thoughts. But thank you for listening so far. Go and let us know what you think about the new products. Definitely. If you do end up getting any of them, we'd love to find out about it. Hit subscribe. And yeah, I really enjoyed this chat. Likewise. Hope you enjoyed and we'll see you soon. Oh, across the pond.